0: everyone. Welcome to 1000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark, and this week is a special Coffer Stow episode. Um, It'll be a little different from the normal format because this week I'm excited to share with you the first half of the talk that Krista Wells gave at the last Coffer Stow back in 2016. And if you're not aware of Krista Wells, I've would really encourage you to go look into her work. She's a brilliant singer songwriter, and she's one of the most compassionate and wise women that I know. And she pours so much of her energy into encouraging other artists in their craft, including me um, the craft of learning to be real human beings <laughs> and, uh, and the craft of serving from a core of faith and hope, and love in, in whatever you do, whether it's songwriting or otherwise. Um, I first met Krista maybe five years ago at a music festival, and her kindness and willingness to just just be really present with people, uh, I learned that that was kind of the soil out of which her songs grow. and uh, She's been writing more poetry lately, so her poetry too. Um, so back in 2016, when I decided to create a weekend retreat centered around encouraging people in their creative calling, Um, inviting Krista to come speak was just obvious. Um, I knew that if I invited her, I would not have to worry for a second whether she would take good care of the guests who showed up for Cofferstow. And that ended up being really true, of course. So all that to say... You need to know about Krista Wells. <laughs> she is a beautiful soul. So this week and next, I'm sharing the talk that she gave at Cofferstow 2016. Um, I split it into two parts, simply to keep a little closer to this podcast's typical length. But it is a little longer, um, about 20 minutes. But it's worth the time to listen. So I hope you'll sit and give it um, give it a listen. Also, Instead of posting the essay text on the podcast website, uh, go visit go visit the website. I'm going to post links to Krista's music and, and things like that. Um, I wanted to share these talks from the last Cofferstow, too, because I hope that it'll give you a feel for what is coming this June at Cofferstow 2019. In April, I'll share the talk that I gave last time, and then in May, I'll share Andy Gullihorn's talk. Uh, Right now, registration is open at cofferstow.com, so if you like this talk, go grab a ticket and come be our guest this June 14th through 17th in Cincinnati for Cofferstow 2019. So now, with a special thanks to Krista Wells, here's part one of her Coffer Stowe 2016 talk, Imagination, Seeing the Far Side of the Mountain.
1: This is a disclaimer um, coming from a quote from Einstein, which I love, and it is that uh, um, imagination is better than knowledge. Because knowledge is limitless, and imagination encircles the world. And the reason I love this is because I'm not a knowledgeable person. I'm just going to tell you that right I'm terrible at trivial pursuit. I cannot remember my own children's birth dates or the names of historical figures. I don't know the presidents of the United States um, or the capitals of our states. And so what I bring here is just approximately 40 years of an active imagination. And I'm pretty sure I'm in great company with a lot of you. So I am not here to teach you. I really um, see myself as an encourager. I want, and I know this is the heart of Matthew when he thought of this. This retreat is for you all to leave feeling, believing that you were imagined in the first place by a loving God, and that He made you, He created you to create and that you're capable of that, and that you have something important to contribute. So I've, me- I've started meeting once in a while with an older woman who's like a spiritual mentor for me, and, and this is something helpful she's done for me. So um, with your eyes closed, I want you to imagine um, whatever comes to mind when I say the word mountain, um, whatever is in front of you right now, in some senses, for us all, it's our entire observable universe. And it's our understanding of God. It's just everything we see and sense around us. But right now, when you came on Friday, you probably have something specific in your immediate universe that feels like a block, or it feels like it needs managed or fixed. Um, it's something maybe that makes you feel a bit anxious, uncertain, fearful. Might be something that's entirely too big to climb, and you know it, and you just—it's just sitting there, staring you in the face. Or it might be a bunch of things. Maybe you're multitasking so much that you have eight different things that don't all fit in your hands. Or you feel like someone keeps sticking one more card in your, in your hand and you can't keep them in the hand anymore and they keep, you keep losing one or the other. Maybe something needs unlocked. You can't find the right key. So now that you have that in front of you, I want you to imagine that you temporarily have the power to shrink it down to the size of something you could carry, maybe a watermelon. Um, Maybe it's something that fits in your hand, and you don't have to worry. You're not being neglectful. It's still going to be there, but you're you're just making it small for the moment, and then you're going to put it into a waterproof basket. And now imagine that you're surrounded by or near some kind of water, whatever you, kind of water you like, ocean, lake, creek bed. And I just want you to walk up to the water's edge and set the basket afloat. And if you're a highly responsible person, that might make you feel really nervous, setting it in there like it's going to drift away and you'll never do what you need to do, but that's not the case, it's just being held there on top of the water and you can feel safe and secure that it's held there, you can let it go for a few minutes, turn away from it and walk away from the water. (coughs) It's just going to stay there for now. Okay. Can take a minute and then open your eyes when you're in that place. Uh, Last last night at our table we were asking, I think it was last night or maybe it was this morning, um, we were trying to be good students and um, good campers and do the questions on our table and um, someone asked what was your favorite childhood toy and um, and I honestly had trouble thinking of any toys because I don't think I actually played with toys that much. Um, I remember an adopted doll my mom made for me that was special and stuffed animals, a lot of stuffed animals. I, I collected lions, um, Aslan was an inspiration and so I had about 15 stuffed lions but other than that. Um, I had three siblings and we um, were in the military. We traveled a lot. My parents wanted to show us the world even when we weren't moving. And so we would get in our big full-size van with the stick shift and we would drive places and we couldn't afford hotels so we would camp um, which I am in awe now of my parents for because we would literally pick a KOA every night, set up, tear down and they would make all the food. There was no McDonald's stopping or anything else. It was all out of a cooler. But um, So we, my, my siblings and I were really creative. Our parents were not artists, but we would um, make up games in the car like, you close your eyes and I'm going to paint a picture. I'm going to describe it in as much detail as I can and you, you put it in the canvas of your mind. Um, we would do really weird things like pretend our thighs were uh, cookie dough and like I would make cookies on my sister's thigh and I I can't explain that one or find any real merit in it. But um, uh, We would fall asleep. We always shared bedrooms. So we'd fall asleep um, pretending sometimes that our minds had television in it and so my sister Reagan would go oh what channel are you on I'd be like oh I'm channel 13 it's an awesome show you know mom would never let us watch it but you know and then oh I'm going to change to that and, and we would just do that until she pretended to fall asleep which would freak me out because I did not like to be the last one week and um, then magic I would lay in bed There was a stuffed bunny, I remember, on top of this tall bookshelf. For a long time, I was praying. I think I had read about um, faith the size of a mustard seed. I would look at this bunny rabbit on the top shelf and say, please make me magic. Make me magic. I have faith. I have faith the size of a mustard seed. I know it. If I'm magic, let that bunny rabbit float down to me right now. And... (laughs) Night after night, I would be disappointed because it wouldn't ever happen. Um, But that's the space I lived in. Um, Most of the time, I was in my head. And I would wear my um, brother's older friend would come over, and I would want to wear this white slip that was supposed to go under my church dress. It didn't seem inappropriate to me. It felt like I was a princess when I wore that white slip, and I, I liked this boy, and I was in third grade. And, and my mom would say, go change out of that. That's not appropriate. But um, I was seeing myself as something else. you know. And when we'd go to the beach and the, and the sand was white, we'd get our legs wet and then put the white sand on our legs because that was like grown-up lady stockings. <laughs> and uh, I loved Little House on the Prairie and Mary Ingalls had blue eyes, blonde hair, and I wanted blue eyes really badly. And not because I thought she looked so pretty, though that was true, but I was sure that the world must look different if through blue mm-hmm. eyes. And there was a way she had, after she was blind, do you remember this? Did you watch Little House on the Prairie? Mm-hmm. After she was blind, she had a certain way of staring. And I don't know, I was so enchanted by it. I, I thought there was, I would pretend that I had her blind blue eyes but that I could somehow still see. And everything felt different. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Um, I also would take the top off of starch bottle, spray bottles and take extra papers and stamp them like an office lady who had an important job. And um, just hours go by like this. Um, somebody very close to me was telling me that he never played pretend when he was a child because he knew it wasn't real. I was like, what's the mm-hmm. point? Um, He also stopped crying the day his parents got divorced, and he realized that tears didn't change anything, so what's the point? Um, He's highly pragmatic, and that has its strengths too. Um, But when I heard him say that, I started to question my childhood experiences and go, was that pointless? What was that all about? Um, And then, you know, I was imaginative as a kid. I'm still imaginative. Is it escapism? You know, I don't want to be someone who denies reality and is pretending the world is something it's not. Um, But the more I've thought about it um, and the more reading I've done, I've come to believe that I wasn't, although I do have a tendency, I have erred in that side of escapism at times in my life. But I think there's more to it than that in there. I think there's a goodness and a beauty and a practical value. And so that's what I, to imagination, that's what I want us to talk about. Um, first of all, I'd like to clarify something I've been pondering, which is that I think there's a difference too. He said, I, do, I didn't play pretend because I knew it wasn't real. And I think there's a difference in the connotation of the word pretend and imagine, Because I think pretend Is participating in something um, Acting as if it's actual When you know it is not actual And there's imagination involved in pretend But I think Imagination isn't only pretend Or always pretend I think when we imagine um, We are We're seeing deeply It's deep seeing And it's what you're imagining might be actual. It's just not proven or tested yet. It may have been actual in a time and a space that is not your time and space. It may be something that's yet to come. The far side of the mountain may have been um, the distant past. I can, when I sing for somebody, I can imagine what they are thinking about me or about the song. Um, I can imagine what it was like to live in 1850 with no central air conditioning. I can imagine, where's Joel, what it's, what the possible outcome of not wearing a motorcycle helmet might be. Um, good science starts with imagination. Faith, hope, and love. As Matthew said, these things are really reliant on our ability to imagine things we cannot see. Um, So I'm I'm thinking of imagination as a deeper way of seeing. And I want to make it clear what what has already been said this week and that it is not for for professional artists alone to live imaginatively. Um, I believe it's for absolutely 100% everybody. Everybody was born with the capacity to imagine. And... um, and that it's actually the only way to be fully human, is to exercise that. Um, Do you see yourself as an an artist, whether you get paid for it or not? Raise your hand if you do something that doesn't allow you to, or you don't believe you are able to exercise creativity a great deal in your full-time work. I have one child who cannot look at anything without seeing something else. He looks up at the sky instantly. Oh, my gosh, look at the dragon. Look at the... that looks like a fire engine. That looks like he's always seeing something else. Um, I have another kid who is pretty bad in school, but he can take apart an engine, put it back together. He just intuitively gets those kinds of patterns, and um, he sees the way things work. I have a rising 7th grader who... If she sees an animal hurting or a person hurting, she can't not imagine that feeling and internalize it so much that she's just in tears. Um, I have um, people in my life who are business leaders and they are imagining new ways of doing business. Imagination though, we, here in this context, we wanna talk about a holy imagination and what that is. Because I think this is, this is key for us. And um, I don't know, I'm sure you guys have better definitions, or some of you have given this some thought. Um, I'm thinking it's pretty simple. It's seeing deeply from a heart that's rooted in love of God and love of humans. Love God, love your neighbor. Um, I think that's, that's a great way to test the, where our imagination is taking us is whether it's coming from a desire to love God and love our neighbors or, uh, and if it's actually accomplishing that. Um, Madeline Langle uh, said, It is through the world of the imagination which takes us beyond the restrictions of provable fact that we touch the hem of truth. It's through the world of the imagination, which takes us beyond the restrictions of provable fact that we touch the hem of truth. Um, she wrote that in Circle of Quiet. But in Walking on Water, she talks... Uh, she's a fiction writer, or was a f- fiction writer, and so she talks about the idea of, is it not true because it's fiction? Um, could say the same thing about Jesus' parables. Were they not true because they weren't factual? And... Um, So now I look back on those early imaginings and I think that was just a child exercising holy imagination, practicing um, her understanding of what is true in this world, what is not only real, but it is what is most real, what is most um, eternal. And I can look back to some of those specific examples like... um, Wanting to be magic and pretending I had magical powers. Um, or I see my my little boy after he watched that movie. Um, it was the kids' like avatar one where the boy is holding back the ocean. Or he can hold last back airbender. the... Airbender. Last airbender, yeah. Um, don't we somehow know as children of God that we are connected to power? We are connected to supernatural power. And that we are meant to tap into that. And we are made in the image of someone who can... Defy gravity and defy everything else and and that we are co-creators with him and um, when I was looking through the eyes of Mary Ingalls, her beautiful blue eyes there's truth in that, you do see differently through different eyes and there are different ways to look at the world and when I made my lady stockings (laughs) or wore my white slip or whatever imagined myself more lovely or more grown up or more wise that's because i am meant to be more lovely and more wise and i am a princess and i i am meant to be beautiful and um when i'm stamping papers like an important business lady (laughs) i mean work feels good you know there is truth in that we are meant to work and accomplish things and serve others and when my siblings and i are just you know trying to paint pictures in each other's minds, or we would do sketch artists, like, I'm going to describe the man who stole my purse, and you you know, draw it down. We are meant to be relational, and we are capable of transmitting ideas from one mind to another mind, or heart to another heart. And I can understand you if I listen well, or if I look more deeply. But imagining is not necessarily pretending. Um, The work of imagination is dealing with very real things. Um, Imagination is seeing more deeply. And um, when that's anchored in love for God and love for others, it's good for all of us. And it's for everyone. And furthermore, it is exactly what Jesus Christ was all about, was seeing people and seeing the world deeply and more truly than it sees itself or than we see ourselves. You know, if you just focus on just his interactions with people, um, he doesn't seem to have ever been in a hurry. He took the time to see them and to see beyond what they knew of themselves. So if they said, what do I have to do to get into heaven? He's like, well, let me tell you something about you, what I see. And that's, that's what we want to be about. So... It's really just continuing on Matthew's talk from this morning. This is just about seeing. It's about learning to see. In our culture today, this is a positive thing. I think creativity is becoming more embraced, and it's it's more popular to be. I think, when I look at young people, it seems to be more accepted to be artsy than it was when I was in high school. And um, the arts camp that I work at in the summer is really born out of that, seeing that there are a lot of kids who are in the community of faith and, they, and their parents don't know what to do with them because they're so artistic and they can find a camp for football but not for art so um, but i think that's getting better and i was reading that in 2010 this big poll of ceos um, showed that creativity was the number one um, most important factor in being a good leader was being a creative individual. And yet, when they actually do studies and test that by introducing creative ideas to people, it's this, it's resisting. Um, Like We want to support creativity and we really want to be known as being creative people. And we really all want to be perceived as being open-minded. But in reality, it's a lot harder to live that out. And the same is true in the church. the church, in the church, we sing about a creator God all the time, sing about God making all things new. But the church might be the hardest place to bring a new idea or a new practice into and to have it, have it welcomed, maybe. I, um, as a songwriter, um, participate in an industry that um, is not known for being a leader as much as it's known for being a follower. And um, since we as believers, I I don't know if everyone in here is a follower of Christ, but um, coming from that worldview, we believe in an invisible God. We are staking our lives on following somebody we cannot see. Reading from ancient texts that require a lot of imagination to even get through. Um, We are, staking our hope on the possibility that there's this kingdom, this kingdom coming, and that this kingdom is here, but it's also there. And we can't see it. It's like already, but not yet. And, and yet we are afraid to be really creative and imaginative, but it's all, it's all requiring our imagination. So knowing that, I would think that things that come out of the church and out of the creative people of faith would be like the most imaginative breathtaking works that there are on the planet and unfortunately that's not always true and um so i i would like us to consider why that's not always true given that christianity assumes there's this great journey and this destination on the other side um that there's always more coming. What are some of the things that keep us from living imaginatively, from going against the grain of culture or suggesting a new way? What are those things?
0: We'll pick up next week with the second half of this talk, part two. And uh, in the meantime, visit matthewclark.net slash 1000words to hear Krista's music and get some links to her uh, stuff online. And register for Carverstow 2019 at carverstow.com. I really hope you'll join us. It's going to be a really wonderful weekend. I'm very excited about that. Um, So until next week, thanks for listening.